You're listening to special programming sponsored by Stovall and Associates Law Firm. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning. This is Vegas Law Talk. Uh, I'm Leslie Mark Stovall. I've got with me Commissioner Michael Naft. Good morning, Commissioner. Good morning. It's good to be with you. It's very good to be with you. You know, uh, when we talked the other day, uh, you reminded me that I had met you many years ago, and it's nice to see you again. It's nice to see you. It's nice to see a lot of faces these days, but particularly yours. You know, (laughs) thank you for, you know, it's true. It's true. We're beginning to be able to see people that we know and visit again, and that's a wonderful thing. That's right. Well, uh, and that's good news for the county also. Absolutely. You know, uh, I don't know that uh, a lot of people really recognize the different districts, what the boundaries of those districts are. are. And I'd kind of like to start with asking you to tell uh, our listeners uh, what district uh, you represent and generally what your boundaries are. I appreciate that. The Clark County is represented by seven county commissioners. I'm one-seventh. I represent District A. It's the commission district that uh, uh, now Governor, former County Commissioner Sisolak represented for 10 years. It's the district that Bruce Woodbury before him represented for many years. Uh, And it's currently, now that we've gone through the latest round of redistricting, it remains largely the same. It's it's the southwest. So my uh, northern border is Flamingo Road. I go west as far as Durango. I go east as far as eastern, and I go all the way south to the borders with California and Arizona. Wow. So when you're thinking about it, 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 it you think about the differences between um, both people and businesses at uh, the 215 in Flamingo in the district, where you yeah. think of uh, people in Searchlight, Nevada, and, and try to respond to what their very diverse needs are throughout the community. Or Good Springs. Oh, yeah, so Good, <laughs> so Good Springs is on the other side of the 15. That's represented by Commissioner Jones. Oh, okay. But I, uh, but I, I, I represent... Uh, the townships of portions of Enterprise, Spring Valley, a uh, piece of Paradise, and then sure. uh, and then down south to uh, to Laughlin through Calnavar and uh, uh, and of course Searchlight. The uh, uh, that is quite diverse because you have a, a really um, uh, populated areas in the uh, southern part of the valley, and then gosh, once you get over uh, the hill over here going south, not much out there. That's right, and you have uh, you know an area like Laughlin, which is uh, sometimes gets referred to as rural. It's not; it's an out, outlying area uh, and, and has a, a tourism-based economy, but a lot of seniors there, and now a thriving housing market in Laughlin down south, like everywhere else. Uh, and then you have Searchlight, which is truly a, a rural community. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you think about where all the growth has been and will likely continue to be in Nevada. It's in areas like Spring Valley and Enterprise. Well, that's a particular interest of yours, is it not? Uh, development within uh not only Clark County, but particularly in your district? Well, because my district is primarily unincorporated, and, and for those who don't know, it's something that makes Clark County particularly unique is that um, a large portion of the population in Nevada, the majority of people in Nevada, actually live in unincorporated Clark County. So while your postal address might say Las Vegas, chances are you don't live within the city of Las Vegas boundaries. You live in unincorporated Las Vegas, like the entire Las Vegas Strip is in unincorporated county not in the city. A lot of people don't know what a township is. That's right. We, uh, <laughs> we're very fortunate here because we do have that extra check in the county of the township. So we, uh, my colleagues and I who repre- 
represent townships get to appoint uh, town board members. By the way, we're always looking for people who want to serve their community. It's so a, give a call. That's right. Give me a call if you're interested <laughs> in serving on your town board. It's a it's a great opportunity to impact uh, uh, change in your community, particularly on land use and zoning matters. That's right. It really is. And I don't think a lot of people uh, really understand how the um, uh, uh, state or the county or uh, cities and townships, uh, what those boundaries are and what they really represent. That's right. Uh, and it's an, it's an important part of sort of the distinctions from district to district. Some of my colleagues re- colleagues represent districts that are almost entirely in city boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then some of us, uh, Commissioner Jones and District F and myself, represent almost entirety of our district is unincorporated. What do you see some of the development issues in your uh, particular uh, district? Well, we, we have a lot happening. You know, you, you look at the entire south end of Las Vegas Boulevard. So uh, my district starts uh, essentially just uh, south of city center. So you've got Mandalay Bay. I have the stadium. Uh, but then I go all, all the way south. And that's where I think you'll see a huge evolution in the next couple of years. You have uh, the 160 acres, the Brightline closed on. That's a, the high-speed train to California. Oh, yeah. Something I've been very active in and am a, a strong advocate for. Um, I'm bullish on that. I think it's coming. It's going to happen. They closed on the land. The station's going to happen there. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited about sort of the development opportunities around that train station. Where is that 160 acres uh, specifically? It's on Las Vegas Boulevard. For those who are familiar with the South Outlet Mall, um, it's right across the street. Blue Diamond Road. Yep. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Robindale's kind of the center line, windmill to Warm Springs on Las Mm -hmm. Vegas. Well, that seems like a terrific place for a terminal mm-hmm. or, a, they, or a station. A station, yep. That'll yeah. be the Nevada station on our side. I, I think it's a great site because it, it doesn't go so far into town that it could conflict or cause additional issues with uh, both clearance going over the highway on ramps, but also um, the, the, the location there near to the car rental facility where we already have transportation to uh, Reed International Airport mm-hmm. and, of course, the proximity to the Strip, to the state. Stadium, um, and to so much more, I think, is a really good site. And where's the su- Southern Terminal uh, or the California Terminal for uh, this uh, high speed? Well, so that's what I, I'm excited about. For many years, we talked about, you know, what's so exciting about a train to Victorville. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> doesn't quite get the job done. Not, don't get over that hill. <laughs> that's right. But what I think is really great about Brightline is that they, they this isn't some um, pie in the sky thing. This is happening in Florida. They've been pretty successful there. They're making high-speed rail work to connect uh, corridors in, in Florida. Uh, and that's what they're looking to bring here. So they have already have all the right-of-way worked out, the line through Rancho Cucamonga and eventually to uh, uh, downtown Los Angeles. You'll wow. be able to, with one connection, be able to get there. Well, even to get into Rancho Cucamonga solves a lot of problems. It does. It, from Victor, Victorville to the other side of the hill is a, is a challenge. Uh, certain times of the year and with the traffic. You hit it on the head, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, What's the speeds of those trains that they're planning on putting out there? It's about a two and a half hour journey. Um, So Mm -hmm. it's true high speed rail. Um, This isn't your traditional UP line that we had uh, up until 1997. Um, So this is is something that we can be excited about, something we can be proud of, fully electrified. Uh, So it's it's helping the environment and helping the economy. A lot of people don't uh, remember Arden. Mm-hmm. Uh, which used to be a train yard. Uh, you can still see the water tower out there if you drive up Blue Diamond Road. Uh, and just before those railroad tracks, you look to the south, and there's that old 
railroad yard, which was a separate town out there at one time. Yep, there and there is a long, nice, long history with rail in in Nevada and oh, the West. Sure. So, well, Union Pacific. I mean, Union Plaza was the old. Uh, 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 railroad, railroad station. Uh, Amtrak was there for many years. Exactly right. Yeah, to go to Salt Lake City. Yep. Or to LA. Well, that's terrific. You're also uh, interested in aviation. You've uh, worked on the Ivanpah uh, project? I have. As the Board of County Commissioners, we own and operate five airports. Reed International is one of them. And uh, and, and one day, I think that Southern uh, Airport, uh, right now known as Ivanpah, it's not named yet, but uh, uh, that'll be kind of a reliever airport. We know that uh, Reed International will max out one day not too far away. You know, I was surprised when I was talking to you. You said uh, the maximum number of passengers for uh, uh, Harry Reid is what? Six- 60 million input. So That's it's a lot coming. of people. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of people, but we continue to see the the increase. And we spoke a little bit about the the increased demand in general aviation that right. we've seen and the demands that that's put on the the well the entire aviation community, but particularly Reed. So mm-hmm. making sure that we're uh, continuing to invest in Henderson Executive, continuing to invest in North Las Vegas, so that we have those relievers in place. Because uh, particularly as our sports economy continues to thrive, mm-hmm. that's going to be a really important part about bringing dollars to our community. You know, I uh, uh, have an interest in aviation, and one of the things like at the North Las Vegas Airport is having more uh, hangars, uh, built hangars, you know, enclosed hangars rather than uh, on-the-ramp parking spots. Uh, Are there any plans for developing more uh, hangar space out there? There are, and I can tell you I've been intimately involved in Henderson Executive because that's in my district, and uh, we just went through our five-year update plan. Uh, and that calls for an additional thousand feet of, of runway space over there to accommodate some of the um, more modern GA aircraft that mm-hmm. we're anticipating. Uh, but it also does call out some additional hangar space because you're right, that is that is sorely needed. Well, and there's a lot of guys or a lot of folks, I shouldn't say guys, yeah. women, women, all, excuse me, women also who are pilots. They have their own uh, aircraft and they fly back and forth from. Uh, here to California, Utah, and Arizona. They're, they're all within range. Absolutely. And, and Nevada also, also in aviation, has a strong history with Senator Cannon and, uh, and others who've been really a big part of that legacy. Well, not only that, the, we had uh, an airline started here. I think it was Western Airlines began here in Las Vegas. Uh, and Nellis Air Force Base. I was stationed at Nellis. So that was, oh. That's how I came to Nevada. I was with the Air Force actually. So aviation's great. Uh, well, that's interesting. Um, you have worked, uh, and you sit on the commission for, or the committee, uh, I think that's the proper term for it, for the police department? I do. So we have, uh, we're, a, we're a very unique area here, how we handle, in many ways, but, but how we handle law enforcement is unique here as well. Yeah. We're probably the only uh, jurisdiction in the United States that has shared municipal responsibility over one department that has an elected uh, sheriff heading it. Mm-hmm. So what that means is the elected sheriff has the responsibility of running the operation, uh, but there's a, a fiscal report and responsibility to the municipalities that fund it. Clark County funds about 64% of Metro's budget. Uh, City of Las Vegas funds the balance. So because of that, there's uh, been created, it's called the Fiscal Affairs Committee. Mm -hmm. Uh, I serve as vice chair of that committee and we have the fiscal responsibility over the department. So it's uh, two city councilmen, uh, two county commissioners and a private citizen who head up that body. 
The Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department is the result of a consolidation of the Las Vegas City Police Department and the County Sheriff's Department back in, geez, I want to say the 60s. 60s yeah, I would have said 70, but you're probably right. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that, that's right. And it's worked out pretty well ever since that consolidation. So, it, And they cover I Metropolitan Police Department. If you go up to Mesquite, you've got the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. You go down to Laughlin, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, they're, they're cover the county. So it's a lot of turf to cover, but that's right. Yeah. How does, uh, uh, there are, uh, uh, nationally, there's a discussion about um, becoming more involved in communities with uh, law enforcement, uh, community policing, for example. Does your fiscal committee get involved in those kinds of issues? Well, when it comes to funding, in fact, just the other day, our preliminary budget came out and Councilman Creer, who sits on that committee, was asking the questions about, uh, they're called the COP team, the community policing divisions, and ensuring that they're being funded adequately because we certainly believe that 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 has played a significant role in the success that we've seen here in Southern Nevada uh, in terms of our community policing. I think those offices are really vital to make sure that we're proactively policing. And uh, you don't want people's only interaction with law enforcement to, to be negative, which often it is. Well, uh, I, I suppose that's true. Uh, but the work that law enforcement does involves... Uh, uh, getting involved in disputes and interdicting disputes or um, making de decisions in the field, and it's a difficult job. Uh, one of the things that I've always uh, wondered about is the adequacy of uh, mental health intervention mm -hmm. in these, in, when you have these kinds of situations that law enforcement has called for. Has there been any movement uh, in the uh, county to uh, provide more mental health intervention uh, as opposed to strictly law enforcement. I'm glad you've asked about that because, um, and that is our, you know, we, one thing I love about this job is that there are so many different um, areas that we're involved with, mm -hmm. but there's a, a clear line, right? So in other words, Clark County, it's our, one of the regional services that we are fundamentally responsible for is social services. Right. I would include mental health in that. And we are also responsible for funding law enforcement and, and UMC, which is uh, mm -hmm. an important element in this as well, uh, and the detention center, which is the most expensive and probably worst option for mental health in any community. It's unfortunate, but it all, it's from my, as a lawyer, I look at what happens and uh, sometimes I get, I have the impression that mental health has become, to some extent, criminalized. Uh, there seems to be no other option. Uh, uh, your mentally ill persons end up being incarcerated when they, maybe they should have been diverted. That's right. And not only is it the humane thing to do to divert in many cases, but it's also the fiscal, uh, the most fiscal, most prudent option there as well. So we we've actually are currently in the process of working with the uh, Metropolitan Police Department on a program to embed social workers within um, within area commands and at the headquarters um, to really act as a um, in tandem with first responders. We're not we're not going to do. Some communities ha are looking to replace first responders right. with social workers. I, I don't think we're there yet. I think you have to first. Uh, work in tandem, um, mm -hmm. and if uh, it, it, hopefully we'll have some success with that. Well, uh, it only sounds like you'd have um, social work or mental health uh, 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 workers who would be called out 
uh, by your first responders. It'd be a dual response, and they would also have better information than um, many patrol officers have on what resources are available. Right. Um, so they'll, they'll be on the forefront of knowing how many beds we have at certain facilities, making sure that they know uh, the right line to connect uh, the right person with the right services. Are you, uh, you mentioned the, um, the hospital. The hospital has moved from being uh, having the county commission uh, board to a different type of board. Is that correct? So there's now a uh, they put in call it before I came to the county. They put in a governing body, mm-hmm. um, basically between the county commission and uh, and the administration. We we being the county commission is still the board of trustees over UMC. So, so we we own the hospital. We have right. uh, uh, oversight by virtue of you sitting on the county commission. You're a trustee to the hospital. That's correct. So I assume that, uh, again, we're talking money. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Exactly right. How's the hospital doing, by the way, UMC? Well, for many reasons, the Affordable Care Act being one, the the hospital's doing quite well. I I think this governing body's been extremely helpful in in addition. I have never understood the opposition to the ACA when it would provide funding. I, you know, uh, to rule... for example, well, University Medical Center is not a rural hospital, but to hospitals like UMC. But when you get up into the rules in Nevada, they've had a history of being unable to afford uh, uh, hospitals, community hospitals. And uh, like Tonopah's, theirs has gone into bankruptcy several times, I think. Uh, I don't know what the other outlying uh, areas are doing, but it's tough. With the ACA, at least they have funding where doctors and uh, urgent care centers can get funded. That's right. Nevada's been a huge beneficiary of the Affordable Care Act. It's, it's a wonderful thing. I, I just don't think people realize how how sparse the population is and what their resources are like out in those areas, or lack of resources. And to be able to um, uh, have funding to care for folks is a, is a wonderful thing. What are some of the uh, most interesting things that you've been involved in as a, as a commissioner so far? Well, every day is interesting for that <laughs> reason. Because you look at this, in the last few minutes, we've talked about travel and tourism, aviation, yeah. uh, uh, traditional transportation. We've talked about the healthcare system. We've talked about development. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, we've talked about law enforcement, community policing, just in a matter of minutes. And that's every day you get to tackle all of these tremendous issues. But uh, it, it, by comparison to any other body, I believe it's more hands-on with more coverage. So I, I, that's what I love about it. But um, what's been uh, a, a significant priority of mine has been traffic safety. Mm. Um, it's one of those things where, um, again, you connect the dots between the 38 departments that Clark County houses, mm-hmm. and you start on the front end with our engineers, our Department of Comprehensive Planning and Land Use and Zoning and the way that roads are designed and built through public works and how they're actually constructed. And then you take it one step further through uh, the Clark County Fire Department, which we Mm -hmm. operate when there's an accident. And they're the first responders to the uh, three ambulance companies that we have the franchise agreement with to UMC Trauma, where pretty well, if you're in a bad car accident, that's where you're going to go. And should uh, go. And should go, want to go. Uh, And then you take it through, unfortunately, to the coroner's office and then to the district attorney's office and the prosecutors and, uh, and the courts. And all of that, all of those levers are in the control of Clark County um, or, or some control of Clark County. So I believe it's an issue that um, 
we need to be focusing on. We need to be waking up every day to figure out how to connect these dots to solve the problem because we're now in our, every year is, is worse. We're in, you know, the worst of the last three decades. Um, the last three years have been, um, and we've got to do something about it because it's a quality of life issue. Just yesterday, we had a 13 year old run over by a driver who was going 85 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour area. Yeah, and uh, uh, you see these horrible accidents. I mean, uh, 150, 100 mile an hour accident. What, what, what are? I don't know what people are thinking when they are doing that kind of stuff. I don't know what they're thinking either. But I, I, I I'm one of those that believes that there probably shouldn't be a residential road where you can go 150 miles <laughs> exactly an hour. Right. Um, so I think that's the first step. But, uh, <laughs> but we, we've had some great success creating this Office of Traffic Safety. We're mm-hmm. one of the first municipalities in the United. States to have that office and then hit the ground running. And this office is looking at road design for safety purposes? It's, it's looking at the full spectrum. So one, it's a regional approach. So we've already started a regular meeting with um, the six traffic captains from all of our jurisdictions that have a piece of traffic safety. So that's everything from Metro to Henderson to Boulder City to uh, Highway Patrol uh, to school police that do traffic uh, enforcement. Uh, and then it's all the way following through. Um, met with District Attorney Wolfson yesterday to talk about uh, what, what their role might be in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I would think uh, uh, road design is uh, really important. And when you say it's getting worse, you're talking about traffic. Well, we went through this um, as a pandemic of its own, but in the, in the early days of the pandemic, when a lot of things were closed, you had drivers that had the ability to go at very high rates of speed. So while we saw the number of accidents go down, we actually saw the number of fatalities go up because of the great speed. But oddly enough, what didn't happen is when volume counts started to go up on the roads, people's behavior didn't adjust at the same rate. Uh, so you have people that are still driving as though there's nobody else on the road. Um, and there's more people on the road more now. people, more vulnerable road users, cyclists, pedestrians, going to school and going to work. Yeah, yeah. Well, I uh, 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 think that's a wonderful idea. And uh, making roads safer, Uh, I suppose there's an educational component to that, too, because, you know, uh, uh, people, well, not only education, you know, be safe, and, uh, you know, a couple minutes isn't going to make any difference, get up earlier or something like that, right? That's right. (laughs) Put gas in your car the night before you have to go to work. Well, hey, here's something interesting. You mentioned gas. We're, we're, there's some speculation that with the cost of gas going up, yeah. that might encourage people to drive a little bit more cautiously. They won't be stepping on the, the gas <laughs> gas as much. So we'll see about that. Hopefully. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, well, you know, and the gas situation is another story, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it is. So um, uh, that's interesting. I uh, You are also involved in uh, the Las Vegas Convention Authority? I am. I, I have our, the, uh, myself and Commissioner Gibson serve as the county's seats on the Las Vegas Convention Visitors Authority. How's uh, Commissioner uh, Gibson doing? I've he, known him for a number of years. He's doing great. I really enjoy working with him. He was We elected him our chair. Oh, okay. Uh, he's a fine lawyer. Yes, he is. So uh, what, do you, uh, what kind of uh, interesting things is the Convention Authority doing at this point? 
Well, a lot, and we, they've really transitioned and, and embraced this whole notion that we are the greatest arena on earth. We're activating Las Vegas Boulevard more so than ever before, which I think is to the benefit of obviously the resort corridor, but also the people who work in those resorts. Uh, and you're seeing the, the you know, I, I'm not sure anybody, even those who were really involved in, in making the stadium happen, fully anticipated just how successful that would be and what a tool that would be to to draw people here. You're seeing the addition of the the fourth day um, add-on from the traditional weekend. Uh, You're seeing, you know, we've hit surpassed 400,000 people in that building. That was at one point a projection for a full year. That was in a couple months. Um, And you're really seeing uh, our reputation develop as the greatest arena on earth. And when you say the greatest arena, you're not just talking about the Allegiant Stadium. No, I'm talking about Clark County and the Las Vegas Strip and everything we yeah. do here, and that's kind of the the, the hashtag that the LVCVA has worked on, and um, I, I think it's been very successful. You look at the events. We you know next month we're going to have the NFL Draft. Uh, we've got the Super Bowl in 2024. That's amazing. And and as you know, it was only a few years ago that using the word Super Bowl was banned in Las <laughs> Vegas. Yeah, verboten. You couldn't you couldn't have that. Uh, no gambling. Stay away from Las Vegas. Exactly. And in, in my meeting. <laughs> with the NFL, something I'm really excited about are the the focus that they put on uh, small business and entrepreneurship coming out of that. And and I want to really expand on that. They do a good job with it everywhere they go. Mm-hmm. But I think we should put a tremendous focus to make sure that uh, not only are the, the institutions or the national players benefiting from hosting a Super Bowl in Las Vegas, not only will the brand of Las Vegas and the destination benefit, but so, sh- so too should the small entrepreneurs and businesses and women-owned and minority-owned businesses, they should have a big seat at the table, and and I think they will. Well, you know, uh, these big events and people coming to Las Vegas, the tourism industry, is really supported by, well, you have the large casinos, but you have these many, many, many small businesses that really provide uh, the services that uh, tourists are looking for. The ancillary businesses that benefit from from uh, you know events like uh, all the Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl right. is, a, is a perfect example. Uh, that's tremendous. Well, not only that, you have uh, a lot of collegiate uh, tournaments here uh, uh, that are conducted in Las Vegas for basketball, for example. Exactly right. And, and that's a wonderful program. Uh, starts here at Thomas & Mack and uh, works its way out. You're a UNLV uh, alumni, are you not? I am. I was a political science student here. We, we both were. <laughs> yeah. We both were. Uh, is that how you met uh, uh, Dina Titus? It is. I met her <laughs> I, I met her and my now wife on the first day of school, so that was a big day for me. Well, that worked I, out pretty good. <laughs> I, I went on to work for her for 13 years and uh, yeah. have, have been married to my wife now for three years. I remember uh, Dina Titus uh, when she is teaching uh, public administration here. Yep. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you know any of the professors. There's Jerry Simich. Oh, yes. Uh, those I, guys. I still see Dr. Simich from time to time. Well, you have to say hi to him for me. <laughs> He's a great guy. <laughs> Loved his classes. Yeah. So uh, what about um, one of the things I've been curious about on the, um, on the Las Vegas Strip, and it was sort of discussed, I want to say five, six years ago, they were talking about all the condominiums and they were going to have this uh, large residential area and the concern was traffic. How do people get around on the strip? And it seemed to me um, that uh, public transportation was the way to go, uh, that you had to have a really good people mover system. And it seems to me for tourism and uh, also for the quality of life in the community, 
that that's really important. What What is uh, the county talking about or the commission considering in that respect? Well, we, um, we, we recently approved, uh, I believe it was 56 stops for the potential boring, station, uh, boring project. They're mm-hmm. the ones who are now operating at the Las Vegas Convention Authority. Uh, the LVCVA was the first to have three stations built. Is uh, that the Tesla thing? Yep, yeah, those are the underground Teslas. So what they've done is it's, it's um, and the, uh, this, they'll be the first to admit this, the, the techno- technology is not revolutionary, but what they've done is figured out how to bore a hole cheaper and faster than anybody else. Hmm. Uh, and that is pretty remarkable because the ta- cost of tunneling can be tremendous. Right. Uh, so they they have that system in place now at the convention center. It's met the ridership numbers. Uh, it's performed very well. From what I understand in all the customer feedback surveys that we do at the LVCVA uh, and the convention center, it's like the only thing that's gotten five out of five consistently. <laughs> so it? it's performing well. Have, have you been on it? I have. I've oh. been on it a couple times. It's an efficient system of transportation. I think we'll see as that expands out, you know, the hope will be that they continue to improve their efficiency. So, so it's not like Star Trek. You don't stand in a transmitter room and... <laughs> <laughs> no, no it, right now you just get in a car and you drive. It's, it's pretty, um, you know, unremarkable yet remarkable in many ways. Well, I've got to go over and check it out. I haven't, it, I haven't it's open there. to the public. You should. And, and pretty soon there'll be uh, the first point-to-point system to Resorts World and then uh, moving on from there to Westgate. But the system that we approved, the 56 or so stops, includes uh, a stub out at the airport, which many people have wanted out of the monorail forever. Uh, and then also Allegiant Stadium's on the list and, and many properties. What about downtown? So the city of Las Vegas will uh, will have to approve their own franchise agreement that's mm-hmm. uh, in draft form right now and I, I think is going to be approved or uh, will at least come before the council very soon here. It's uh, always seemed to me that Las Vegas has got, the city of Las Vegas and Fremont Street in particular, has kind of gotten left out on a movement of uh, tourists uh, coming in from the airport or coming into the southern part of the Strip. I think this connection would would help them. Certainly, it'll take it beyond Sahara, um, downtown, also to the Arts District, and I believe they're talking about uh, my friend Councilman Knudsen is working on getting a a stop as well at the Medical District. Uh, I was, uh, uh, your friend uh, Councilman Knudsen represents my uh, ward, uh, and he's done a a fabulous job. Uh, I'm very happy to see that he's in that position. Me too. Uh, He's been a really good partner at the city. We work, uh, well, we just worked together at an event a couple days ago. So we're, 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 uh, we're a good partnership. Well, you know, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, You know, it almost seems like uh, my, uh, the time that I have uh, to spend with you isn't enough. You have some many interesting things to discuss. I hope that means you'll invite me back sometime soon. I would love to. I would love to. Thank and I you. thank you so much for uh, sitting with us. And uh, gosh, what a, what a pleasure. It's thank been a real so pleasure. And thank you for all you do for our community. Mm-hmm.